It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the footballiest time of the year. Ah, yes, I feel jolly. My heart is filled with song. It is indeed the footballiest time of the year. Okay, we have to wait still, what, a month or so, but I can't help it. Everybody's in camp in pro football, and uh, like I say, I am ready to kibitz about pro football, college football, all the rest of it. Joining us in just a minute here, Mike Sando, the author of the QB Tears on The Athletic. Everybody's talking about it right now. A juicy quote from an anonymous evaluator about Lamar Jackson. Want to get in on the Kyler Murray. Has to go to study hall four times a week. Tom Brady, a 45-year-old man. Where does he slot among uh, the high-end superhuman athletes out there? Looking forward to getting into all that. Uh, In the meantime, as soon as you finish this episode of Minus 3, I encourage you to go and check out the latest Extra Points. A great almost hour with the ace man, Adam Carolla, on his new book, Talk Sports and Beyond with that. That was a good one, huh, Eddie Spaghetti? Adam was very, very funny. A lot of good conversations about his book and some comedic stuff. And then obviously you guys got into sports with the helmets and and uniforms and uh, Adam's rule changes. It was an awesome episode. Yeah, it really was very funny. So, uh, so like I say, go check that one out and, you know, subscribe and tell your pals and all that kind of stuff. Extra points. And uh, before we get to Mike here, very quickly, battle for New York um, going on, Eddie Spaghetti. Your Yanks, uh, Cousin Sal's Metropolitans, both headed to the playoffs. You know what I had forgotten is that we now have three wild cards, which I hate for baseball. Yeah. And I started looking through it. There, there are series coming up that are relevant, though, like the Jays and Cardinals are playing this week, and you kind of have to keep your eye on it because they're slotting themselves for wild card. It, you know, how deep do we need to go in the standings, though? Do these teams really belong? The Red Sox, for all the weeping, we'll talk to Hench later in the week, Kevin Hench, Red Sox fan, Boston, sports fan supreme. You know, he and his kind are declaring, like, season's over, trade them all the way. Like, you're three games out of the wild card. So I think you still have a pretty decent shot of winding up in that. I find it unsatisfying. Um, Your guy, Aaron Judge, at the time of this recording, 37 home runs. They're, what, 97 games into the season? We all made our picks on extra points for how many he'll wind up with. I'm a little bummed by the lack of buzz about the chance of of a Yankee no laugh. I mean, it'd be one thing if it was like, who on the Rays has 30s? Who is that guy? But it's Aaron Judge, this superhuman figure wearing the pinstripes, and nobody seems to give a crap that he has 37 home runs. It's uh, I, I guess he has jumped to the top of the AL MVP standings. I went he him finishing with 60. What was your number there, Spaghetti? I said 62. Okay. Yeah. Best wishes to you. Um, speaking of the Yanks, Paul Sorvino passed away. And uh, he played Joe Torre in a movie once and, uh, you know, rest in peace to Sorvino, one of the great roles, Pauly, of course, in um, in Goodfellas, one of the great turns we've seen in mobster movies. And obviously his career wasn't limited to that. Um, and like I say, he played Joe Torre in, uh, in a biographical picture about him. And it reminds me, I did go once to interview Joe Torre when he was the new manager of the Dodgers. And... Um, he was surrounded by a press pool in the dugout when I got there, but I had a one-on-one exclusive with Joe Torre. 
So I waited them out and finally everybody else dispersed. And there was Joe Torre sitting, not on the bench of the dugout, but like on the back part of the bench. So he was up high there. And so I jumped up there to meet him. And when I jumped up, my head bonked the cement ceiling of the Dodgers dugout. And it really like made me woozy. I almost passed out. And I always thought it would be super funny if I passed, if I woke up with Joe Torre, like spritzing water in my face, like, Hey, you jerk, wake up. But I, I didn't get knocked out. But that was uh, probably the highlight because it went downhill after that. When I said to Joe Torre, I said, how do you feel about Hollywood after all your great deeds in baseball and all the championships and everything else that they saw fit to cast Paul Sorvino in your, uh, to, to play you? Was that flattering or no? And he said, Paul's a dear friend and stared at me like that. And uh, and then I felt worried and concerned and I felt like I had offended him. And then just to make sure that I was reading things right, I said, is leaving New York and coming to LA is the greatest benefit of that getting Billy, getting away from Billy Crystal. And he said, Billy's also a dear friend. So that was the end of, uh, of that exchange. But anyway, that's not germane to the passing of Paul Sorvino. One of the, uh, one of the great turns we've seen in one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, also, new on sidelines, and uh, you can find it on my social media at Damashek on Twitter. I posted it. I wrote about what so, uh, something you've heard me mention before if you've listened to the show. Full QB saturation. It is here. We now have at least 32 human beings capable of playing halfway decent QB in the NFL. Um, now, they may not be there, but the, but the news out of San Francisco that Jimmy G, they are going to move him at some point. Um, in the next five weeks or so is an indication of what I'm talking about. Jimmy G, he started a Super Bowl three years ago and almost got those Super Bowls six months ago, and he's out there ready to be had. So is Cam Newton. I write all about it. The state of QB and has never been better in man's recorded history. Uh, full QB saturation. Appreciate you checking that one out. And while we're talking about that, before we get to Mike Sando here, Eddie Spaghetti, very quickly, your thoughts. Niners season win total, nine and a half. If you if you want some juice on that, go under. Plus 125 for the Niners. Color me skeptical. I feel like they, in the same way that you just heard about the Cardinals. Now, we have to pay Kyler Murray, but we're going to put this embarrassing clause in there to make it clear to not just him, but to the public, since it somehow magically leaked out right after he signed it, that he has to study four times a week, do film work. How humiliating for their star, for the face of the franchise and everything else. I feel like in the same way, they're like, well, we did trade up to get Trey Lance, and he's on in his second year. We got to play him now, so we better move Jimmy G. Where? How say you? I, I'm tempted to go under nine and a half here. Totally, I'm with you. I'm, I'm going under. I mean, look, if you look at the division, the Seahawks, uh, which, by the way, just officially booked my trip to go see my Giants play the Seahawks in Seattle. I think they have the ability, uh, or lack of ability, rather, to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, if not the worst. So those should be two wins right there for the 49ers. They should sweep them. There shouldn't be any debate for that, even with Trey mm -hmm. Lance. Uh, I'm not a big... I'm not super into Trey Lance because there were so many reports coming out about his like how he looked in practice, this and that. I, I still kind of believe when there's smoke, there's fire. Somebody's leaking that for obvious reasons. But And then, you, you know, your pushback to that could be, well, why wouldn't they just keep Jimmy G? Well, it's like what you just said. They drafted him so high, they moved up for him, they got this guy. Um, but, the, you know, we didn't see him play that much, but I think it's also a red flag. And I, I think they know that Jimmy G had his limitations. Like, yes, he did get them to the Super Bowl and almost got them back there. But I think they're like, man, we really need a guy who 
who could make that extra play a la like a Josh Allen or a Herbert or a Joe Burrow where you could do that extra thing and Jimmy doesn't have that and I think there's been a weird influx of this mentality in the NFL where it's like oh we need to find our version of Patrick Mahomes like not everyone's going to do that and I think you could win with Jimmy G type quarterbacks I mean that's why Kirk Cousins has been pretty much uh, the Vikings quarterback for seemingly for quite some time because like he is going to do just enough and I think Jimmy G could do that I know he's been linked to to go to the Giants like that's not going to happen there's a better chance of me playing quarterback than Jimmy G in New York but uh, I think whatever team does pick him up will have a solid to you know above average quarterback but yeah but I no mean, the, so you got you got I, I was with you on everything until you said above average because that's the thing with QB saturation he's really like he's in the third tier he's like in the in the 20s somewhere because who do you well, replace him with but I, I, but I hear you he's like I think the the conditions now exist where that there are enough good quarterbacks that uh, it kind of serves my point that I can talk myself into almost any team being I, halfway decent because nobody, very few teams at least, have just an abject bum that they're going to run out there in week one now. And then I, Jimmy uh, G's your start to be like, ah, we, we can make the playoffs with that guy because he has done it repeatedly now. There are some quarterback scenarios though I don't really love what's going on there I mean I I don't really love Matt Ryan in Indianapolis I don't love what the Falcons are doing I wouldn't be shocked if Washington wishes they had someone else Jalen Hurts is the one guy where I'm like you know similar to what I said about Trey Lance like there were a lot of reports coming out of Philadelphia that they're like first they said they're going to keep him forever which whatever and then then they said like he looks atrocious in practice and then so much of the fact that AJ Brown had a you know tweet out they're like no he's fine that to me is I, I don't think he's the long-term answer I wouldn't be shocked by midseason Jalen Hurts looks terrible and they'd be like well we should have a guy like that Carolina I I do like Baker but if they went the Jimmy G route I wouldn't think that's a bad move at all so I like Jimmy G more than most uh if he does not turn the ball over because he's just gonna your team he's on a you know on a what is like like a replacement level player where he's not going to give you much plus but he's not a super negative if he doesn't turn the ball over and I think that's fine for teams that have good defense and you could run the ball there's no reason not to ha- like it's okay to not have a Patrick Mahomes so I, I think he's uh, a guy that's fine um so I, I like back to San Francisco that division's tough the Rams are going to be great and I think Kyler not getting into the contract stuff but I think you have to pay a guy who's about to turn 25 years old who was drafted first round in two different sports like he's an all-time athlete it's dumb to to be a naysayer and think like oh we don't we don't need Kyler Murray like he's an electric playmaker they have good pieces there I think they're going to give San Francisco a tough time and well there so that's what I was just going to say eight and a half is their season win total I think oh, I they go kind of hand in hand because you know the Rams are going to be good and yeah. you know the Seahawks are going to stink so that if you're going under nine and a half on the Niners can I assume then Arizona you're going over the over. eight and a half yeah, I like I like the over on that. I think Kyler's only going to get better. He's only going to get smarter. Uh, the the whole uh, it's hard to like. Yes, Kyler Murray should be studying film, but again, a guy who was a first round pick in two sports, which is absurd, totally absurd. A Heisman winner, um, like he he is just a guy that you know if you believe what he says about how he's uh, how he could see things, like he doesn't need to read. Like yeah, sure, you should be studying film, but I also trust his ability, and I think like having him with New Hopkins, uh, you know, when they're following the field together, I think that's going to create magic, and I. I like enough of their pieces on defense. Like I, I think they're a, a solid team. They're not better than the Rams, but they should. I think they could, at worst, they should split with the Niners. And I think they there's a chance they could sweep hmm. them. Like I said, they should sweep the, the Seahawks too. So I, I definitely like they're over on the cards. I like the under on the um, on the Forty ers 
Well, I'm I'm not I'm thumbs down on the Cardinals new helmets. The all black is terrible. We have to carve out, I don't know, a half hour at least. Maybe we got to track down Chris Long for an important conversation on uniforms in front of the season. He's usually our best go to on that. Um, Right now, though, let's get into all this stuff with Kyler and Brady. And oh, by the way, Brady, Brady has a new weapon now. Julio Jones has signed with Tampa. Sheesh, it's very NBA-like, the way these guys now just like, oh, I want to be a part of that one. I want to I chase a ring down there. I don't, which came first, NBA or, NBA or, or um, NFL? I guess it really goes back to the big three. Someday, when we get 50 years yeah. away, we'll look back and say, what the Miami Heat big three did, what LeBron did, that is praiseworthy, not worthy of mockery the way it was at the time. But all right, let's talk about these QB tiers here with Mike Sando, but real quick. Let's squeeze in a break. All right, here he is, everybody. The man of the moment. Everybody's buzzing about his piece that came out on Monday. It's the annual QB Tears. From Mike Sando on The Athletic, I encourage you, nay, demand you track it down. Because as I say, this is how successful the piece is. People (laughs) at other major publications are now riffing off of whether the tiers that Mike created are accurate. That's that's really quite a thing in our vain society here. Here he is, everybody. It's Mike. What's happening, pal? Thanks for the time. You know, it's great. I only do tier one podcasts, so you're in luck. It's a short list, oh. but uh, uh, you have to apologize the uh, for, for the for the. Oh, you're wearing a hat. I don't have to apologize for wearing a hat. This is my get on the six a.m. flight hat uh, today, and that's what we did. So hopefully, I can makes sense for you today. Well, I'm wearing I'm wearing a hat because I ha- refuse to stop cutting my own hair since what? COVID started, yeah. much to my wife's chagrin and actually to to the man in the mirror's chagrin. But all right, let's talk about well, as a matter of fact, hair is a good place to start because Aaron Rodgers showed up to Packers camp on Tuesday looking like Nick Cage um, from Con from Con Air, Con Hair, whichever way you want to go there. Um and so let's start there. He is your number one quarterback and you talk to 50 execs and coaches and otherwise to determine these it's not your subjective opinion alone see i'm so vain i just do it off uh what what my gut and my uh what my heart tell me to do here you're you're more studious than i aaron Rodgers comes in at number one which right out of the gate is striking to me because about three years ago we had anointed patrick mahomes as the greatest human being to ever throw a football, replacing Aaron Rodgers. Then comes number 12 in the green jersey to reestablish himself with MVP awards to uh, to support his case and otherwise. I was struck right out of the gate in, in the write-up that one of the people you talked to said Aaron Rodgers, compared to Tom Brady, Rodgers elevates his teammates and consistently has done that. How did that strike you in comparison to, say, Brady, Mahomes, and the rest of the guys in, in yeah. Uh, Tier 1? Yeah, I don't know if I agree 100%. I, it's funny. I had a That was one of the quotes that people singled out. You know, when you do this thing, you talk to 50 people, you you try to make it nuanced, and you never really know what two, three things people are going to latch on to that's going to become the story. So that was one of them. And, and I had a conversation with a different coach last night, and he goes, I said, hey, do you think that's a bad quote or a good quote? Like I self-scout, you know, and he goes, he goes, you know, here's why I think it's pretty good. I I think um, like Brady and it's not just Tom Brady, but it's the the whole New England thing. There's so much about their standard and the team ethos. And it's not for everybody. 
it's probably harder for a receiver to kind of make it there. You really have to do it their way. Uh, or you may fall by the wayside. And in my mind, what I thought of when that person said that was, you know what I thought of? I, th I thought of Robert Tanyan, Tanyan with like 10, 12 touchdowns. That's what I thought of. Hmm. And so today, as I was ruminating on this, because there was a little Twitter back and forth involving, I think, Mina Kimes and Doug Farrar uh, and somebody else were going back and forth. And I, I ignore most of the mentions after quarterback tears comes out because I just can't. Uh, it's I, I don't want to get too fired up into the debates, but I saw theirs and I I went and looked at all of the double digit touchdown catchers for Rodgers and Brady, a very unscientific comparison. And for Rodgers in six fewer seasons of starter, there's like six guys and Tanyan was one of them. Cobb was one of them. James Jones, uh, Jennings, uh, obviously Jordy Nelson. There's some really fine receivers, but it wasn't like they were a bunch of guys who did a bunch of things elsewhere. And they weren't like they were a bunch of guys that were necessarily amazing. I mean, Tunyon's a great example. So there were six guys. Brady was six more seasons. There were three. And it was Gronk, who's a Hall of Famer. It was Randy Moss, who's a Hall of Famer. And it was Mike Evans, who may be a Hall of Famer and was doing that before Tom Brady got there. So I don't know that I buy that totally 100%. Uh, you know, I think Brady does a good job elevating too, but there may be something to it. And well, listen, Edelman and Amendola probably are the two names you hold up as uh, as guys because Welker was productive elsewhere. I, yeah. you know what, I do have to say it. Di I did feel validated because before Devontae Adams, I used to always point that as in, in my case, making the case as Rogers is the best I've ever seen is the names you listed off. I mean, Jordy Nelson is probably the best pre-Devontae Adams pass catcher he ever had, with all due respect to Greg Jennings. Um, I, I think it's a fascinating point. I do wonder, though, as you talk to these personnel guys, because you do, it, it does come through that they maybe say things that they otherwise wouldn't say if they were standing in front of a microphone surrounded by sure. a press pool with cameras pointed at them. Is there is there a disconnect between and and you know I one thing I bellyache I, I I love analytics except for the fact that I think that they diminish postseason results. I'm big on QB wins. I think it does matter how you perform in the tournament to see who wins the big trophy at the end when they're only giving out one trophy at the end of the tournament yeah. annually. I think it matters more than people want to, and they point to sample size, small sample size. How isn't it a little weird though? On Rogers' overall resume, I know it doesn't impact one season um, above any other, but isn't it a little weird that in 30 years that the Packers have had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and have won the same number of Lombardis as Dilfer and Flacco won for Baltimore? I, I don't know how that's supposed to sit with a Packers fan at this point. I, I agree. I mean, I think one thing, you know, it, it's really, really hard, obviously, to win the final game. It takes a lot. It takes, probably takes a little luck. It definitely takes uh, – it really, really helps to have the defense special teams component come through. And we've seen that for Brady. I and mean, Brady's finished mm -hmm. these games down down 25 points. They don't win that game without Tom Brady, okay? But to have the great comebacks and to finish the games, even if you're behind, you got the other team's got to not score for a while uh, for part of that game. I think that was certainly the case. Russell Wilson coming back in some of those games. Yeah, the other team wasn't scoring after they were behind. I think there's definitely been an Achilles heel organizationally for the Packers. And some of these teams fall into almost having this great quarterback and everything's geared around you know, your offensive coach, whether it was McCarthy, 
they have lost games in some of the craziest fashions that had nothing to do with Rodgers. Rodgers didn't even get the last chance to do it. Um, think of the Seattle game where they lost on the special teams. Didn't they give up the the uh, special teams uh, touchdown pass to the t- to the tackle eligible? I mean, they if you could could list yeah, that, the well, that was the that was the most cursed loss. I, I I'm not a Packers fan, and that one still breaks my heart when I look back. Yeah, on that one. it was and, it was just the worst. And really, if you go, let's just take some analytics um, or take some advanced stats. If you go from 2000 or 2005 to, to to three years ago, New England's number one in special teams EPA. Defense, they're going to be in the top five or ten. Rodgers hasn't had that. And the one year they were comparable defensively to offensively, they won the Super Bowl. And so uh, I, I don't th- I don't see how – I don't think there's any sort of lack of winning gene with Rodgers. I think he manages the game expertly as good as anybody. Um, yeah, I wonder if now the pressure, though, of those losses have mounted now, uh, you know, yeah. apply a certain pressure on his shoulders when he runs out onto the field in January, especially at home. As I always point to, the curse of Sposta can become disadvantageous to you in front of the home crowd when they feel like, uh-oh, here we go again. And that block punt against San Francisco and Frigid Lambeau, you could feel it permeate its way in, on the field through the TV that I was watching on. You felt like, oh, no, this is going to happen again to Rodgers and to the Packers. If somebody came up with a list of the five worst special teams defense meltdown plays in the playoffs last 20 years, the Packers probably have three of them. You know, it's unbelievable. There's nothing about Rodgers when you look at him that says that's the hole that has prevented them from winning it. Now, those tier one guys should be overcoming a lot, too. So maybe that's the case that he should have overcome some of these. Uh, And I think one criticism of him is he has a mental calculator of his passer rating at all times. Like he, maybe he should throw a couple more balls in there uh, and risk the interception. He's talked openly about wanting to get X number of touchdowns versus interceptions for his career. So that's a small thing to me. I, I just think he's the funnest to watch. I think he's the best. And the rest of it organizationally um, is probably why they haven't won more. And that's a, that's great for New England. They, they've managed to keep the good defense and special teams with the top quarterback for longer than anybody. Well, you are, I'm going to call you a QB whisperer here for all the good work you do annually on this. And one of my things that I that I, I, I'm fascinated by is the push and pull of being a gunslinger game manager isn't complimentary enough. If you're Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, oh, or yeah, otherwise, yeah. Yeah. I, I go surgeon. You know, much, very calculated in their decision making. I was intrigued by some of the comments around mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes, who you know that was kind of the knock on him during last season and maybe even the season before was like. Is he disciplined enough to take what the defense is are giving him? You know, can he check down? Can he do it 11 yards at a clip instead of pushing the ball deep to Tyree Kill? And 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 obviously now it's not going to have that as an option. Michael Harbin or maybe replayer MVS or whomever replaces those uh, those those deep throws. Um, but do you is your takeaway collectively from the people you spoke to that Mahomes is ready to make that adjustment is mature enough, I guess, is a is a way to put it. I, I by the way, using the word mature and everything else, I feel like it now has a stink on it after the Kyler Murray stuff. Like he doesn't study enough. His own organization is saying that. So I, I hesitate to say that and infantilize these these multimillionaire 20 or 30 something year old oh, guys. Yeah. But is Mahomes, do you think? 
according to these league insiders, ready to make that, you know, yes. very mature yeah. decision uh, to check it down constantly. Yes. I don't think that anyone uh, has concerns about Patrick Mahomes. Now it will be different without Tyreek Hill. And so, uh, you know, there, it has to be now, right? They needed to morph last year, even with them, just by the, the way the coverages they were getting. And now I think they have to do it. So no one is saying they can't do it. Um, you know, no one has a, thinks there's a fatal flaw with Mahomes. We did get one voter, you know, to give him a tier two, which is, which frankly, I love, like you talk to enough people, hmm. you get something. Uh, uh, I didn't anticipate that, but he had a reason. And it was, you know, ability to read defenses at a, truly elite level and maybe some of maybe we saw some of uh, the shortcoming of that last year but um i got i got no worries really on Mahomes, especially geez he's got andy reed there you know i just there's a lot of boxes checked there that you think he's gonna be really good for a long time i i really i'm uh, already realizing this could go on for two hours and i don't want to yeah, hold yeah. you up nearly that long so i'm gonna move i would love yeah. to talk about the 45 year old man in tampa and whether or not he's hung on for one too many year like a heavyweight uh, prize fighter or something else but i'm gonna leave him out of this next question yeah three years from now who's number one who do you think is in the tier one and i get that's not exactly the exercise but who do you think is number one because burrow mahomes will probably still be in the conversation herbert or is there someone else that you have your eye on um okay so mahomes is leader in clubhouse but to me justin herbert is really interesting like that would be the person if i had to pick somebody other than him uh because when you think about it for him to be in tier one after two years of not making the playoffs they didn't even beat the raiders last year uh, you still got a 15 and 17 record. You're talking about winning. Uh, and yet everyone just green rubber stamps him into tier one. There's been a lot of guys who bumped their heads up against the top of tier two. And people are like, no, no, look, they just haven't done it. Let, let me see. Let me see him drive a little bit more team success. Like the comments I have in there about Justin Herbert, like, oh, I saw this guy live. I was like, oh, my God, it is more than I, better than I thought. You know, people are pushing him in there with, without reservation without having without having done anything from a team standpoint right they, they haven't done anything they haven't even made a dent in the playoffs so that is telling because people that vote in the survey don't do that so um, to do that with him with 36 of the 50 votes right now and the four, other 14 are just like saying let me just see it another year we don't need to anoint but that's a real endorsement of the talent that he has um, so that might be the guy to sort of look out for you know, if he's already getting that acclaim. I'm hearing a ton of buzz and it, you know, goes back to December and January six months ago, but the makeup of Burrow, I hear a ton about, but yes, oh, yeah, there's something electric about Justin Herbert. And it was obvious the first yeah. time he got jammed into the, to a game at the last second. And then the following weekend in, uh, or was it a Monday night, whatever it was in new Orleans, you realized, Oh my goodness, what, what, what they took Tua in Miami instead of this guy. Yeah. Um, an overarching question for you, and then just just yeah. a couple more real quick for you. Yeah. The w Another thing that I talk a ton about is the notion of full QB saturation. Back yeah. in the 80s, there was Marino and, you know, uh, Montana and Elway, and then you got in the 90s, Favre and Aikman and Young got into the mix and Randall Cunningham and Warren Moon was around there. But it's really this millennium where – the the wealth of high-end quarterbacks or at least intermediate level quarterbacks has now populated pretty much all of pro football i contend that you know listen 
contracts get in the way and draft slotting gets in the way. But for the most part, there are more court or in fact, there are literally more viable starting quarterback options out there than there are slots to be filled in 2022. How say you? I don't know if I would go that far because I feel like at the end, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota, I mean, do you want to see that this year? Do you want to see uh, a second off? overall pick halfway, you know, one, won a playoff game yeah. at least one. He's not, you know, he's not terrible. Plus Ritter. That seems like if that's, that, I, I feel like if that's the bottom of the barrel or if Trubisky yeah. and uh, Pickett or if it's Locke and Gino, like, I feel like if that's your bottom five, I feel like, doing pretty well and plus Jimmy G still is out there yeah I here's what I think's changed I think the game has changed to where everyone now is at least trying to play offense to a degree that they weren't 30 years ago and it is easier to do so it's it's easier to have your quarterback out there and they're all coming from passing game offenses we Mm -hmm. used to have in college and high school really not even that long ago in high school um, really take your air out of it offenses where you're just trying to get through the game and make it be 10 to seven. That's not football at all to the same degree. People are on Pete Carroll for being conservative and shoot, they're passing the ball uh, way more than a conservative team would have been uh, 30 years ago. So that aspect of it, I think everyone's trying to pass the ball. They're better at it. The teams are just better at it. You're right. If we went back and looked at the worst quarterback games uh, from 30, 35 years ago, I think people would be shocked to see how bad it looked uh, and four I, or five interceptions. Some of that is, it was just easier to play defense. You, I always say this, who are the five most feared hitters in the game right now? Hmm. They don't exist. You could get hurt playing pass offense back then a lot. Your quarterback would get hurt. It is a different, easier game to play uh, on offense right now. And I think we're seeing that reflected in that. You are exactly right. I'm not I I am not contending that somehow magically better human beings have been generated. (laughs) Right. Um, But, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe if if people are taking I don't know what people take in their. They were on steroids back then more than they are now, you know. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yes. Um, But yeah, defense is harder to play. Offense is a breeze. And uh, and these guys are entrenched in throwing the ball. Forget college people always talk about pro style offenses in college look at high school guys are slinging it around now at a level that just what they, they never would have in the big eight in the 80s they throw more in high school than they did uh than jamel holloway ever did when he was an oklahoma sooner right. um so okay i feel a little validated there and yeah. then lamar jackson is the yeah. quote that has made all the news here and one anonymous person and a lot of people have uh, have floated who they think it is do you want to share now who it was really people know. are floating who they think it is oh yeah oh yeah you haven't seen that i am not paying that close of attention to it i just really oh i i, I thought you were being sarcastic oh yeah no, people have I mean, decided I... it's a defensive coordinator in our nation's capital that's the most prominent name i'm seeing floating. hilarious mm-hmm. um here's the thing on lamar jackson i mean i lo- look this is the promotion of your stories, I guess it's all like Don King used to believe there's no such thing as bad promotion as long as they're talking mm-hmm. about it. But totally out of context, the quote, the, the section on Lamar Jackson's very, very balanced. It's very fair. And contrary to the, uh, I think the perception, everyone agrees what he is. There's no, there's no debate on what, uh, 
what what Lamar Jackson is. He's an elite runner and an average passer. The disconnect really comes in whether people think an elite runner who's an average passer should be considered a tier one quarterback if he's elite enough as a runner. And that just comes down to how strictly the voter uh, adheres to the tier one definition, which has a peer passing component. You have to be a good peer passer. Let's do that because that's what the game gets reduced to when they out of necessity at times. Right. So to, that's the bar that has to be cleared. But the quotes in there that are on Lamar Jackson, shoot, Lamar Jackson rose in the ranking in the he got a higher grade this year than last year. So there's no there are people are not out there trashing. Look at the full quote on Lamar Jackson. Because everyone knows, um, it's not even the first quote in there, but ever. let me find it. If he has to win the game, they ain't winning the game. He's so unique as an athlete, and he's really a good football player, but I don't care if he wins the league MVP 12 times. I don't think he'll ever be a tier, tier one as a quarterback. He'll be a one as a football player, but not as a quarterback. So many games come down to two-minute, and that's why they have a hard time advancing even when they're good on defense. Playoffs are tight. You have to be able to throw the ball. He's just so inconsistent throwing the ball. It's hit or miss. To me, that's not a ripped job thing. That, that's reality of that's part of the reality of it, right? Otherwise, he'd be in tier one. It's well, I mean, you know, I was in on Lamar early on. I predicted his MVP season before it happened. And I also say at the same time, my comp is always Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin. Uh, pitching for the Braves effective in July against the Marlins not as effective against the best lineups in October same for Lamar Jackson or that's been my uh, that's been my concern with him do you agree that maybe his style of play week in and week out is going to steal some games it's going to win you some 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 games that you otherwise might have lost but maybe against high-end teams it's going to be difficult for him to win two or three AFC conference playoff games to even get to a Super Bowl one, it's difficult for anyone to get there. So I, I think it's I think it's possible if they're good enough on defense and special teams to play that style and get there. I, I don't want people, Lamar Jackson to get to the Super Bowl and go, oh, this – look, it's hard, it's hard for all of them. I do think that defenses, especially when you get to be better in the playoffs and the game planning gets better, can sort of make that type of uh, – of a team play left-handed and it can take some of that away. And then I think when you get in the playoffs, you also get against teams that are, are more likely to put points on the board and take you out of that hmm. offense that they play. That's so amazing when they can play it on their terms, they've won 80% of their games when Lamar Jackson starts. It's amazing. Uh, I would never say they can't go all the way. Cause look, like you said, Trent Dilfer or some of these other teams, if they're good enough on defense have done it. And Lamar Jackson's better than that. He's better, he's better. I wonder, player. as we talk about dominant defenses, though, just how dominant one would have to be. The Jags are the best example since the Seahawks defenses of a team that, well, I guess no fly zone in Denver that you could make a case that, well, it certainly was the strength of that Broncos Super Bowl team, but they're few and far between and things have to go well, just Denver, right. I mean, the, uh, Lamar Jackson is way better than Peyton Manning was in 2015. Sure. The last year, right. he's 10 times better, and he's a better passer than Peyton was. Then. And same uh, by a million over Blake Bortles in 2017, and they almost Absolutely. got to a Super It's not that he's – no one thinks Lamar Jackson's even a terrible passer. No one thinks that. I mean, he's he's 10th in this survey. I mean, I think he's respected. He got eight votes in Tier 1. That's more than he got last year, I believe. 
Now, the comparison, I the thing I keep saying, though, about him is that at some point this goes for Josh Allen or any other quarterback who's going to Justin Herbert at some point is going to have to go through this as well. They're going to have to do a Michael Jordan, Kobe style mid career adjustment and not attack the rim constantly and settle for mid range jumpers. And in football terms, that means not running around with the ball in your hands. If you're the quarterback making that level of bank, you've got to take that away. But that is your greatest strength from Josh Allen on down. But Cam Newton wore out and so did uh, any other guys who, you know, are the constant in these collisions. So I am I am curious to see. I do like him this year quite a bit. What happens with the contract is fascinating in advance of the season and whether or not they see think they can tag him after this season, uh, how this all goes down, because the number is there now. Kyler and Deshaun Watson have provided what the number is, what the floor of Lamar Jackson's contract has to be. And it sounds like the Ravens are willing to pay it. So I wonder if Lamar yeah. Jackson is holding back and willing to roll the dice on this season to see if he can, you know, make more than than that because 231 it seems like the magic number at this point because of those two deals. Speaking of So, because you predicted Lamar for MVP. When Lamar was MVP, would you put him in tier one based on the definition of tier one? I, you know, I, yeah, the, the, the foot, I don't know if he's a quarterback, but he's a football player kind of thing. Like, I guess there are different ways to skin the cat in, in, in a broad way. Like I say, gunslinger versus surgeon, whatever gets it done for you. I think coaches more than fans realize coaches perpetuate how we fans feel about it. And so when you read stuff or like I did looking at, uh, at your tears, Mahomes, like, Oh, he's a one read guy. He knows at the line of scrimmage where the ball's going. And if you take that away from him, then it becomes what they called street ball. The, the evaluator that you talk to called street ball. And on some level, I, I took that as the evaluator insulting Mahomes because I think coaches, what they love, what you love to hear is he's a coach on the field. Peyton and Brady and, and Breeze are coaches out on the field. They know the whole playbook. Um, and because they want that, I think fans then think that's the way to do it. I think there, as I say, I think there are different ways to go about it. And by the way, it's more exciting to be a gunslinger and to take some risks and try and jam some throws in there that aren't there. And that leads to a more satisfying watch for a fan base. Um, but yeah, I think you would have to. to, to I, I vamped long enough. I think, yeah, I think you, you, you kind of have to. It's empirically so. He's the best player. He's the, not just the most exciting, but he is dominating on a level that these superhuman athletes can't stop him from doing what he wants to do. You see him in the backfield running between the tackle and the center, and, and pro defenses couldn't stop him from doing that until Jeffrey Simmons and Jarrell Casey did in, so the, you in would the playoffs. Change, you would change the definition of a tier one quarterback to not include a pure pass component because you don't think that's essential to be the best i i mean i think it is i I, but i'm also trying to be uh be um open-minded enough about that there are different ways to win football games but at the same time as i say that i question if there's a ceiling on lamar jackson's ability to do that against the best defenses which is what he has to see at least two or three times in january he's not going to get a bum defense maybe there's some team that flukes its way in but for the most part you're going to see the best defenses and we've now seen it's a small sample size but against the best teams against the high-end defenses even against the pittsburgh steelers their arch rival he hasn't beaten the steelers head-to-head and in those playoffs it's been spottier than it is again 
against, you know, the the have nots in, like I say, in October. Um, Last thing, Kyler, you know, is now after this has emerged as as a big story because of the, the way his contract is put together. Where do you come down on this? Where, where it first hit me, I'm generally player friendly, um, but it hit me as a slap in the face to Kyler that they would play. He's a grown man. He's short, but he's he's still a grown up. I mean, that that they, they would put in a thing you have to study four hours. It's the it's a weird number because it's not a real. I mean, what four more hours? It's just yeah. sending yeah. a message that then is leaked to the public. Like, well, you you, you better hit the books, young man. Four hours a week. You know, like the, people don't say great things about him, you know, of what they hear and, and all along those lines. And some of that's sort of filtered out in some of these quarterback tears things or, or, or other thing, things. Right. So for them to put that, have that contract is just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, it just, it just really, you, that would never be in there unless that's a problem. Right. I was talking with a friend of mine, Neil Kulong, who's, uh, you know, uh, pretty, pretty uh, wise in the ways of what goes on, you know, behind closed doors and pro football with contract making and otherwise. And, you know, it does seem to me that the Cardinals don't like Kyler Murray, that they're resentful of having to make this deal. And it ta- it speaks to the catch 22. That is, you can't let your QB go because then you have to reboot and start from scratch. But also, it's less than ideal to pay a guy $50 million, any guy, because of how it corrupts your overall roster, let alone a guy like Kyler Murray, who I, I bet you the Cardinals, I Cliff Kingsbury maybe withstanding, the Cardinals, it feels to me they're kind of like, are we sure that he's the guy? But we can't let him go because of yeah. the 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 flow of these things, right? Right, because it's not another position where you can find, bring three guys to camp. You either have one or you don't, and if you don't, you you everybody gets fired. So, um, and plus, that's the leverage Lamar has over the Ravens. If he yeah, decides Lamar, I'm not showing up, they have to pay him that day so because they can't throw away this. Season. I mean, Lamar's just so different from Kyler. No one's worried about sure. his work ethic. The guy's amazing. I mean, his teammates love him. People who play with him respect him. Everyone respects Lamar and just what he's about. And they win 80% of their games with him. So there's a lot of great peer passers who Dan Reno never won one, right? I mean, no one's going to say he didn't have, wasn't tier one. So I would not overthink Lamar Jackson. To me, he he embodies their team. Uh, unless you want to change and be something totally different. I just... That's a debate for us to have over whether you can win with it, you know, whether you can go all the way or something. They've got a guy who seems to work at it and seems to have the respect of his teammates and wins 80% of his games. I mean, sign me, sign a lot of people up for that, right? I guess they could, ta- you know, I guess he could roll the dice if, and I'm yeah. sure the Ravens would prefer he do that for this season and then tag him on the other side of it. And they could do that twice and he would be in that range of, you know, the the best paid QBs, but also you wouldn't be into him for the long term because he is a guy who remains, even though he's a little more jacked than he used to be, he's kind of willowy. Yeah. Um, he doesn't take a ton of shots, but he did get hurt last year. If he gets hurt for like, it doesn't have to be a, a catastrophic Dak Prescott kind of thing. And he still got paid out for what it's worth on the other side of that. But 
if Lamar gets hurt, misses three games, I feel like the Ravens are then in a position to say like, see, Lamar, we just we can't long term commit to you, even though it would be completely unfair to say that because yeah. Brady and Peyton and Breeze all missed uh, seasons of their careers as well. And their mm-hmm. pocket passer guys. But I still could see the Ravens pulling that one. It's very curious The two, we can talk about. Who's going to win, Trubisky or Pickett? Who cares? Neither one of those guys is winning the Super Bowl this year. The two big looming stories are Lamar Jackson's contract and what happens with Deshaun Watson. So at least we're in the right division. And and I do have to roll out of here, unfortunately, because I love the discussion. But, uh, you know, what happens when the the Ravens defense – the Ravens are an amazing team because even after they paid Flacco, they kept the good defense and special teams. So usually when you pay your quarterback, those things fall off a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. For most, most teams, look at Matt Ryan or Stafford, those organizations. If Baltimore is obviously a better organization than that, if they if they fall off defensively, um, then it becomes harder for any quarterback to win. But it it'll raise uh, it'll raise new questions of what they can overcome. Oh, man, put me put me in that what you said about Herbert a few minutes ago. Give me Herbert and that defense versus Mahomes and George Karloff. This is going to save things for the Chiefs. Color me skeptical of that one. I liked your pick of Justin Herbert. I loved the entire conversation. We appreciate you making time for us. I know things are super busy for you on the heels of all this. Wait till you hit social media. You'll be stunned by all the buzz that you've created here. If you really didn't even hear about, uh, about who I really, yeah, it gets to be a much, a little bit much. So. Well, it's awesome stuff, man. And uh, like I said, I know you're traveling and everything else. So uh, so yeah, great. Thank thanks you. for the time today, man. Thank you. There he goes. Mike saying, though, of The Athletic, track it down. Like I say, it's, uh, it's the thing on social media that uh, football fans are buzzing about today. Um, Eddie Spaghetti, what did you take away from that conversation? I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, I looked over his tiers, and I don't – there's nothing wildly crazy, but I think in the tier two, when you're looking at a guy like Matt Ryan in tier two, like with other, you know, Super Bowl winners, I believe uh, Matt Stafford and Russell Wilson are in that same tier. Uh, I don't – I. it's a strange one for me because I feel like, you know, we may agree that the Colts are a pretty good roster, and like the one – kind of question mark is Matt Ryan and people are floating out you know where's Baker Mayfield where was he gonna go obviously he ends up in Carolina guy like Jimmy G I know as of today we're recording and the four just came out and said this is Trey Lance's team where is he ending up like to me they're a candidate of a guy like Matt Ryan may not be able to finish the season out there like he doesn't have that much left in the tank I I don't know if I like that I don't think that Matt Ryan Hmm. as the quarterback of the Colts could lead them to to win a Super Bowl if he you know Ryan had a shot obviously with the Falcons I think that was that was it for him like I I don't I don't see him you know And that's bold. That's a I don't know if that counts as a bold take, but that's pretty good because I think the Colts are I guess people generally agree with you that he's the weakness of the team. I as I've said, I think he's the best QB they've had in four years now. I mean, they you know, he's better than Phil Rivers. I think better than Phil Rivers was two years ago. He's better than Carson Wentz. I think they have a I think they have a real chance in that division, too especially if the Titans fall back at all, um, which it kind of makes sense that they would without A.J. Brown specifically, at one less weapon, more weight on Derrick Henry's shoulders. I could see them sliding back, and therefore the Colts are going to be good. But then again, as I said last week, I could also talk myself into the Jags being much better than they were a year ago. Man, I could have just sat there with him and gotten one through 35 and said, Next guy on your list is this guy. And I didn't even get into Mitch Trubisky being, I mean, like he was, Mitch Trubisky isn't even in the top 32. Made me feel a little bit sad. 
But that, but what proves my point about QB saturation more uh, about as well as anybody. Jameis Winston is 24. Jameis Winston, the first overall pick of 2015, who looked good a year ago and then got hurt. That's the 24th. The third tier is includes Jameis Winston. The state of QB is pretty strong here. All right. We could go on and on, but we'll have a chance to do it in about 48 hours with our main man, Kevin Hench. We appreciate you listening to Minus 3, subscribing, telling your pals about it, all the rest of it, and listening to all things Extra Points and going to extrapoints.com to check that out and all the great shows there. Like I say, we'll be back with Hench in just two days. Until then, thanks to Mike Sando, Eddie Spaghetti, great stuff as always, and thank you, fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.